Irish Beats with Rob O'Connor. Your music now. This is Beat. You're listening to Irish Beats with Rob O'Connor on Beat 102-103. This is a podcast interview with Cormac. He has just released his brand new album, Equivalent Exchange, came out last week. Uh, as we're recording this, he's gearing up for the launch event in the Button Factory, which is on tomorrow night, which will be in the past when this is podcasted. But hey, that's the way these things go. Cormac, this comes on the footsteps of Doorsteps, which was released in 2014. Uh, Wordplay which came four years before that as well as the Scratch Martian EP before that uh, so that basically means it's been your first long play release in eight years why so long? Um, well I've been doing a lot of stuff in between um, I suppose under the kind of Cormac release schedule we've been kind of focusing more on putting out singles and EPs and remixes and bits and bobs like that um, I've also written three multi-episodic drama series soundtracks in that time so that's probably about 1200 pieces of music i would say like not not to overestimate that that's probably what it is so yeah i kind of um i wrote equivalent exchange this this you know piece for this suite of music for orchestra in 2018 and as i did so as i was preparing for it i um went to Bulgaria and did some orchestral training and worked with ensembles and stuff there. And, you know, it was certainly to enable me to write for Equivalent Exchange, but also it was that I would potentially make some moves into scoring for TV and film because, you know, I'd been doing, I'd been touring for 10 years and I'd been making lots of music and doing lots of DJing and playing lots of festivals and doing all of that. But, you know, I didn't just want to do that. You know, I wanted to move into... Uh, just to try my hand at writing for picture, I kind of thought, you know, this sounds like another way that I could kind of make interesting noises and, you know, not be sort of, I guess, I guess to have a different restriction on me, you know what I mean? So I'm not, Mm. you know, I don't have to write a song per se for a record or for an audience or whatever. I have to, you know, adhere to a different set of constraints. So, you know, I'm writing for plot, I'm writing for character, whatever. So I spent, um, you know, a while kind of, getting into that a little bit but it all kind of came together a lot quicker than i thought and i got um i i started into a series called professionals um in 2019 and then very quickly did another one called red election and i've just finished my third one literally this afternoon so um yeah so i mean that's probably explains why you know there's been that delay not a delay you know it's not it's funny people have been saying that to me i've been doing loads of press for the record and people seem to be kind of a bit focused on this oh it's been ages since your last record which it has but you know there was also i could have put this out during covid if i wanted to and just let it slip into the ether you know what i mean and after all the work that myself and the irish chamber and everyone had put into it it was just the last thing i wanted to do you know so um so we were happy enough just to kind of to sit on it um i also wanted to put the time into getting it right i also wanted spatial audio remixes and you know um so it doesn't it doesn't feel like that long to me because i'm quite a busy person and i i work hard all the time so i'm kind of like you know um it's been yeah has it it's been what eight years since the last record but you know lots has happened in the interim so, right now, I, I I knew that you had been doing various bits and bobs along the way, right? Mm. But it it is an interesting 
wonder to see that gap popping up like that, even with a global pandemic in the middle of it. Um, mm. Would I be right in saying that any deadlines are self-imposed or self-inflicted? Might be a better way of putting de- it. De- deadlines for putting out records? Yeah. Um, yeah, well... Are you I mean, are you under pressure? I mean, are you under pressure? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, are you under pressure from a label saying you must come out now with this? We need it by this um, date. I, 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 I make plans with my management and the team that I have around me, you know, um, based on what's going on. Um, I'm very much under pressure from with the, the 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 film and tv side of what i do that's yes a pressure like no wonder you know or like no other i should say that's huge you know um so yeah we do make a plan um you know it's funny it's like when when you put out like we're kind of constantly told that people want bite-sized chunks you know people want singles and they want them fast and they want them often you know what i mean mm. and then it's like you put out the record people are like oh well, where was the last record you know god it's been eight years i'm like well you know what i mean like you kind of I, I i don't know i'm i'm by no means annoyed by it but I, I just find it really interesting that kind of um there's been a little bit of a focus on that in the last couple of weeks you know um whereas you know conventional wisdom would say you're probably better off putting out not better off but you know put out song after song after song after song you know what i mean and then kind of make an album whereas this was written as a a suite of music you know what i mean we put one lead single and then we're giving you the album because that's how i'd like you to hear it you know so um that's kind of why and another reason why we kind of took our time with it because i haven't been teasing people for six months you know what i mean with a few lead-in singles or whatever i'd just rather put it out into the world and the kind of uh, in a manner that it was intended and in a way that I'm pleased with. Um, so, you know, and yeah. I'm, you know, I plan on shouting about it for the next six months as well. So, you know, it's a, I'm teasing, I'm teasing it in reverse, Rob, as well. <laughs> well, I mean, as a, as a piece equivalent exchange, I find, I know I've only heard it maybe three times uh, or maybe oh, three and a half you. times you know, at this stage, uh, uh, but it does flow. And when I say it flows rather than it, it mixes, if you know what I mean. Songs yeah. flow into each other, but I wouldn't yes. call them mixing, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I, I can, und- it, it, it sounds like they are of a piece. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Rather than a collection of singles. That's, you know? that's, that's lovely to hear. Because um, it, it was very much written and, pre- and is presented with that in mind, you know. Like the original show that I wrote is 90 minutes long. And so what the version that we've put out has been kind of edited and refined and stripped back to flow in the way you've described actually you know mm. so for example carry weight flows straight into the bottom of the ocean and you know there's, there's all these kind of little things that happen there and you know tracks are placed beside tracks because of various tempo changes and keys and you know all that is considered so um yeah you know i just i hope Again, to go back to the sort of album single thing, I hope people kind of have the time or take the time or are still in the habit of listening to um, to albums. You know, uh, I kind of ha- I, ha- I sort of have this rule that it should fit on one side of a tape. I'm, I'm aging myself now, but you know what I mean. So yeah, I think it, I think it does that probably just about. There's a lot to be said for that. I, I, I was yeah. funny enough. I, I've often thought about that. Like you know, an album used to fit on one side. Like back in the day yeah. with the Walkman, you'd have like a, a C90. And you can that's, what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. 
Like if, if an album was 40 minutes, you might sneak another track on it just to fill up the tape when you're you going know. for a walk or something you like know. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, right, so, so let's talk a little bit about the sonic palette of Equivalent Exchange. Mm. So like I can see a progression from your previous work. That's not, I, when I say a progression, I don't mean that in terms of quality. I just mean in terms of no, I know that's uh, a, that's a right. sonic sound. So you, like your, a lot of your previous work, I can hear a lot of samples. You use a lot of loops, uh, drum loops, a lot of heavy swing influence. Uh, this is definitely more orchestral. So you mentioned that you went to Bulgaria. Uh, these are all original orchestral recordings. Is that correct? Mm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I well, mean, well, and is it an Irish orchestra that you're using? It's the Irish Chamber Orchestra. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So a, a chamber orchestra is about, I mean, give or take, it's about 16 or 17 string players. Um, and then there's also a brass section in there as well. There's some woodwinded parts. Uh, there's my own drummer, not my own drummer, there's Simon who drums with me um, and has done for years. Um, and my electronics, I've written all the strings and then kind of collaborated on them with Ken Rice, the conductor from the chamber orchestra, who's kind of helped me refine it and um, orchestrate it and voice it and, do, you know, did loads of work with me on it, which is, which is amazing, you know. Um, in terms of the progression, I mean, I think if my first record certainly was full of samples as that was kind of the aesthetic that I, I still do love, but very much was working with at the time that kind of cut and paste thing, you know, which is which is really hard. Actually, it's a lot it's a lot harder to do and a lot more time consuming. And I know people kind of hear the word loop and hear the word sample or whatever. And there's a certain connotation with that. But it's like it's a pain in the ass and it takes a long time to try and kind of recontextualize two different pieces of music and mash them together, you know what I mean? And chop them up and make them kind of work and, you know, make them fit sonically and all of that. Um, so I think because I've always worked with live musicians on my second record on doorsteps, I started just really making my own samples, you know what I mean? Cause why wouldn't I? Like I had, you know, uh, brass sections and singers and rappers and all that were happy to work with me. So I think it really started then, you know? So I think even if you go back to that record, there's far few, if any, samples as, yeah. you know, as as in stuff lifted from other records, you know, uh, very little, if anything. So certainly on this record, yeah, um, I sat down to write this with a view. No, or sorry, I sat down to write this record knowing that I had an orchestra to play with, you know, because mm. this was, it started life as a commission from the St. Patrick's Festival. Basically, Karen Walsh, who's the amazing artistic director of the festival, kind of approached us and said, look, you know, we have Vicar Street, uh, we want to do a closing show. Do you want to try something? And then we, I kind of had this long held idea that I'd love to try and write something for an orchestra, you know, as kind of as distinct from putting or orchestral arrangements over my, on my existing music. I wanted to kind of start yeah. with a blank page and be like, right, I have an orchestra. So that kind of almost ref sort of reduced my options in a weird way, which was brilliant because like if you sit down at the computer and you've got a copy of Ableton, even like the possibilities are absolutely endless. You know, you've got everything you need under the hood for 300 quid or whatever it is, you know? So like, I, I think that can be quite, that can almost stifle creativity a little bit, you know what I mean? Or certainly for me, um, because I'm into loads of things, you know what I mean? I don't just write one type of music. So, um, I think that's probably why I've written a bit slower because it's just, it's just deciding what you want to write almost. Whereas going into this project, I knew 
what I had to write for, what musicians I had to write for, what kind of sonic palette I had. So mm. I um, definitely think that, yes, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's definitely more orchestral. Um, and it's more me kind of being a bit more confident in what I want to put out there and what I want to sound like, you know. And a lot of it was, as I, as I sat down to do it, I was like, right, what do I like? And what is it about other music that I like? You know what I mean? And what are the, what are the elements in this tune that I like? And what, you know, and figuring out that was half the battle, you know, yeah. like actually, what do I want to do here? Do you know what I mean? Like, and who am I writing for? And why am I doing it? You know, so, and so that was so, great, you know. So. so if you're talking about kind of the limit, when I say increasing creativity by putting limits on yourself, Okay, and, and when you were mentioning there about Ableton in that like you have unlimited tracks, every sound you could possibly think of is there mm. or available to you. Totally. But by, by going back to the orchestra mm-hmm. helped to, but th- th- there's a limit on that. Okay, now an orchestra, you know, you're talking about Irish Chamber Orchestra. It's not like you have three instruments. You've got a bunch of instruments, but they, they I mean, the orchestra has evolved over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So there are a bunch of sounds that work really well together. Um, I would almost say it's classical. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, uh, but w- so when you're, when you're writing those pieces, how do you decide then where the electronic bits pop in? Because surely in the sonic palette or in the, in, the, in the kind of the sonic economy, if you have your strings are operating at this space and you've got your drums down here and you've got your brass maybe somewhere else, how do you decide, well, where am I going to put this in here that's not going to make it muddy? Um, does, that, does that make sense? If you know it, it, makes, it makes complete sense, yeah. I mean, you know, if, if you were writing for just an orchestra, you would have the same problems. You know what I mean? A lot of problems, but you would be you would be looking at the same conundrum, right? Because if you if you take a traditional orchestra, like mm. a full like the symphony orchestra, let's say, yeah, if you know you do any training at all around this, like you're still looking at the same problems. You know what I mean? You're still looking at like how do you put your tuba and your cello, or, or sorry, your tuba and your double bass, you know, together? If they play different notes, you, you have a problem straight away. They're both occupying the same sonic texture. You know what I mean? So the same kind of rules apply when mixing. To answer your question about how do I, you know, how do I decide when the electronic elements come in? I didn't write it starting with the orchestra. You know what I mean? I didn't sit down and be like, right, here's the strings. Let's start there yeah, at all. Okay, you know what I mean? Okay. I, I, I kind of wrote, the way I write is I kind of create a little texture. It could be just the tiniest little loop, um, the little bell loop in the last track on the album, uh, an equipment exchange is a good example of that. Like it's it's a loop, it does nothing. It goes bang, 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 bang. That's it. So it's just it's just a little vibe, and, and I'll ride over that with whatever I kind of think it needs. So to take that track for example, I wrote the piano chord progression on top of that, and then I probably put some drums in. You know what I mean? And then I was like, right, you know, and you and you build from there. You know, it might be a little, little vocal chop or. You start fleshing out some string lines and stuff. So it, 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 although I knew that I was going to incorporate them in every track, I wasn't afraid not to use them in parts either. You know what I mean? So that's that's um, you need to have that restraint too. You know. So um, so and then just how do, how do I fit it all in? You just kind of make the decision bar by bar. You know. Um, mm. I think that's something as well that making records. Um, teaches you, particularly when you mix them yourself, that you know you need to know when to stop or 
you know, there's only so many elements you can put in and there's certainly only so many elements you can put in at certain registers. You know what I mean? So uh, I like to think I'm getting better at that, but we'll see. You know, it's interesting. I've been, I, I, I put out a, if you listen to this on Apple Music or on Amazon and you've got it enabled on your phone and you're wearing headphones, you can listen to this in spatial audio, which is basically a kind of a surround sound. Yeah. And that actually gives me more room. Do you know, so the whole idea behind this record was that you would be sitting in the fourth row of a concert hall. That's what was in my head when I was writing. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Right? So, so I used to go to the concert hall every week when I was learning how to kind of do this. And I'd go to the lunchtime shows and I'd go and I'd watch bloody Anthem. Anthem at all, I didn't care what it was. But I'd try and sit around there and just to, to kind of so I'd know where things came from in the stereo stage or whatever, you know. So, so when I sat down to do the surround sound mix, it's like, wow, you've got all this other, other room. So just to kind of go back to what you're saying about, you know, not mashing too many things together at the same register. We've a bit more possible. We've a bit. There are more possibilities now to actually get away with a bit more. I think, if 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 we're heading in a, uh, if as consumers we're heading towards spatial audio, you know. Well, that, that's an interesting one. I was going to ask you about. I had some questions about the production of the record, and I was going to ask sure. you about spa- spatial yeah. audio later. But you've kind of brought it up. Yeah, so no, go, ahead. Well go Go to it now. So, I mean, spatial audio is it. It's new, but it's not new because binaural mm. or binaural recordings have been around for quite some time. And uh, but I, I am intrigued with spatial audio because when Apple, I, I use Apple Music, uh, yeah, just, just for just I, purely economic reasons because uh, the family plan is cheaper than other ones and it suits my my setup. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, but I remember when they made a big song and dance. Maybe maybe it was a year ago. I can't remember when when they brought out spatial audio for everything. And I mm. went through a load of the the kind of the demo tracks that they released, and I hated the pop ones, but I loved mm. the classical pieces, the uh, and the jazz pieces. Um, I was going to say, did you like the jazz? Yeah, like, yeah, I, think it, I, I think did. It works really well for trios and stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the pop ones, oh, I didn't like mm. it at all. It, it took a lot mm. of the. When I say pop, I mean uh, pop rock contemporary. Mm kind of stuff you know um, mm. I remember listening to it it was a Bruce Springsteen track and I go I don't like this at all this is mm. the other mix is much better um, mm. but the orchestra stuff wow that was amazing do you know I think there's a few things there I think like if how do I put it right I suppose for me I suppose okay I suppose the first thing is that it's really new you know what yeah. I mean if you, if you go online you're like how to mix in spatial audio of course I don't think it's there do you know what I mean? Like, doesn't like it's 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 not there. You know what I mean? We're we're still at the kind of figuring out how to do it, figuring out how to have fun with it. You know what I mean? Figuring out what works, what doesn't, and it's going to keep changing because if I put up a spatial audio mix today, and you listen to it on Apple Music tonight, mm. Apple Music will are continually kind of developing their algorithm. So technically speaking. It, it could sound one way to you tonight and you can come back and listen to it in a year. You know what I mean? And it might be a little different, right? Yes. So what what I like about it actually is, yes, it is, a, you know, I, I, I've no ambition to have things running all around your head and coming at you from behind and all of this kind of stuff. I think that's a bit gimmicky. But what I actually like about it is how you can be more specific with where you put things that are in front of you. So it's not actually, I mean, yes, the space and the depth is great, but I find that if you're going to put something, let's say, at two o'clock, you know mm. what I mean, and ten meters back, for example, or whatever, that that kind of is, you know, to be able to establish that kind of point source direction is 
is really interesting to me, you know. So I was doing a lot of things on the record or when I was mixing that, but just, just elevating the lead vocal slightly, just make, like actually making him or her just up a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, with, if you listen to Lowe's one, it's like Lowe's lead vocal is there on front of you at 12 o'clock. And there's a little lower choir kind of high and back, you know, kind of behind her. And there's just little touches like that, that, you know, I think are, are more interesting than, you know, the ability for to have a helicopter noise, you know, flying around your head or whatever. I think it's the subtleties. And, then, and I think then to your point about, you know, a Bruce Springsteen track or whatever, they were mixed in stereo to be played in stereo. Do you know yes. that sort of way? Like, as in, you know, I mean, it's, it, I'm sure it's fun to play with the stems and all of that, but it was never intended for that. Do you know that way? I think and when it's funny, when I mixed this record, it was supposed to sound like you're in a concert hall. You know, the strings are panned as, as you would find them on the stage. So it, it, it was kind of quite very logical for me to move it into spatial audio but i actually don't think it's i mean yes there's more room and yes i would prefer to listen to it like that but you know i I actually quite enjoyed the stereo mix then when i went back to it i was kind of proud of it because i was like oh well you know it does sort of sound to me like you're in a concert hall and i did lots of really nerdy technical things to achieve that but like um you know i think in in my specific case it was kind of perfect just the timing of it you know so i thought let's do it yeah that's an interesting one now so the intention Mm. Like the, the the intention of the art or the piece uh, is clearly influences the output in this spatial audio space. I suppose a, mm. a poor analogy, but it might be one is, that, you know, remember a couple of years ago, there was all this fad for 3D films. And, um, you know, it was just, I'll be honest with you, I think 95% of the 3D films that I saw were rubbish. There's only okay. two, yeah. there's only two that kind of stand out in my memory as being worthwhile, which were... Mm-hmm. Um, Avatar, which was okay, it wasn't great, but I remember, oh, gra- sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Gravity. I don't know if you saw that, yeah, but, I saw but, Gravity, but but they were designed for 3D mm-hmm, as opposed mm-hmm. to just oh, yeah, we'll just do 3D and do some sort of mm. thing at, at the end, you know. But that's uh, whereas, it, and, you, know, you know. I think it's a bit like a, a it's, it's like a guitar solo or something, you know what I mean? If you listen to a guitar solo for an hour and a half, you know what I mean? It's it, uh, or some yeah. scratching record or something, it's not going to have any impact after the first couple of minutes, whereas I think. You know, if you're listening to a mix in spatial audio uh, and after five minutes, just something cool just, you know, washes over you a little bit and that's it. Then, you know, it's like, oh, that's that's nice. And it's an issue of contrast. Whereas if if you're walking down Grafton Street and there's just fucking drums flying all around your head or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's just not yeah. it's, it's not a pleasant listen, you know, like the, the, to me, the music still happens in front of you, you know. Yeah, um, I, I just think there's. I think the, the key to that is the subtlety and the and, and, and the space. But again, I, I mean, like like everyone else, I'm still kind of tinkering with it. You know, I've mixed eight, eight tracks in it, and that's it. So, but I'm looking forward to um, to doing more of it and to seeing um, you know what comes of it. I think, like I think with surround sound in general, it, it wasn't really a runner for commercial music because you just you know who's going to go home, set up what six speakers, you know, and sit in the yeah. sweet spot in the center of your living room for 45 minutes and listen to something. It's now that it's on our phones and that the, 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 the streaming, the streamers are making it so accessible. That was the game changer for me. That made it worthwhile. You know what I mean? That everyone has it. I haven't listened to equivalent exchange in spatial audio. I'm I like Sean mm. from CWB, uh, your people. Yeah. Uh, he like, I was listening to the copy that he sent me, the wabs, um, mm. which I'm assuming is a stereo mix because 
It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. So, I, I, but I, I will certainly be checking it out. On Give it Apple a go. I'd love, I'd, love, I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah, because they yeah. were done. They, they were done in a hurry. So, uh, yeah, I haven't. I'm, I'm not. I'm not able to go back and listen to to either stereo or. Uh, or spatial, yes. It's it's. Uh, I, I, give it a, I give it a few weeks. You know? Yeah. Um, let me ask you about the collaborators that you have. So you mentioned that. Okay. So uh, your work down throughout the years, you have featured collaborators. You feature particularly vocalists, right? Because uh, yeah. I'm assuming you don't sing, do you? I am the worst singer you've ever heard. I, oh no, you're not, you, I would doubt that very much. <laughs> but oh, it's really uh, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no I don't okay. sing. No. So you work. You work with other vocalists, and mm-hmm. um, like. Uh, a lot of people on uh, doorsteps, but on Equivalent Exchange, there's, I see Loa, uh, Jack O'Rourke, Jafaris, uh, May Kay, a bunch of people mm-hmm. on there. Um, mm-hmm. How, so you mentioned that Equivalent Exchange was a piece for the St. Patrick's Festival back in mm-hmm. t- 2018, was it 2018, you said? I started writing it then, yeah. yeah. Okay, so do you, how did you decide on the collaborators? Did they um, come on board straight away? How does that, how does that work? How, do, how yeah. does this come about? So the notion, the reason it's called Equivalent Exchange, I suppose, is that traditionally up until doorsteps, if I was inviting you, say, to come and collaborate with me on a track, I was in the habit of kind of, I would have given you pretty much a finished instrumental, you know, and be like, okay, you should come in, you know, to 16 bars here and 16 bars here and a chorus here, you know what I mean? And, at the start of this process, I kind of made the decision that I would try and get vocalists and collaborators in at an earlier stage, give them more skeletal, less finished pieces, you know, demos, sketches, whatever, so that I might allow them for to have more ideas which would benefit the music as a whole. Do you know what I mean? So I'd be like, write more, don't feel like, you, ha- you know, don't feel like it has to have a Define structure. Just give me all your ideas. Give me everything. You know what I mean? Like uh, okay, the track. The track with Lo is a great example of that. You know, so she just gave me like loads of stacked harmonies. You know, she's amazing and she has a fantastic sense of harmony. You know, and loads of brilliant ideas. So she gave me loads and loads of stuff, and we kind of just edited from there. You know, so so in order, you know, the notion of equivalent exchange is that in order to kind of get something new, you kind of have to give something up. So this was me kind of giving up control. Um, to answer your question, how, how they kind of, how I came about them. Um, Loa was the first person I reached out to just because I'd heard her and I thought she was amazing and she was very different. And I think that's really what I look for is someone with a unique sound or a mm. unique kind of just approach or whatever. Um, and generally, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of them all, you know. Um, May Kay and I had met at a show, I think, in Cork and we'd done a couple of bits together um over the years and stuff and we're, we're pals and um who else jafaris and i were we met doing uh, i did a remix for saint sister and he did the verse on that so uh, we met doing that and we were doing a thing for a mobile company in the olympia during covid and he was doing it and as well and um it was it, it's my studio was around the corner from the olympia so I had him here the next morning. I played him. I kind of shoved headphones in his ears. And I was like, look, I have this track. I want you to come in and jump on it. And he came in and he did. He came in and he did the track with Loa. And then when he was leaving, he's like, oh, can you play me you know, something else or whatever? And I played him Owens. And I'd been looking for like the right person for Owens for like about three years. Um, and, uh, and he literally was on his way out the door and did Owens. Like, 
in like 20 minutes it, 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 like to what like i actually have a video of, like to see it it's incredible but um yeah he absolutely killed it so um so we did that uh, who else shahab and shan kuhi who play they're persian irish guys who played um traditional persian instruments santur and tar uh, the tar is like a kind of a lute it kind of sounds like a banjo and the santur is kind of like a dulcimer like loads of strings stretched across and you hit them with little mallets um we they were playing in the Werberg street church um around the corner from here not too well not too far from here and i went to see them one night until they're amazing and just approached them and then they were here the next morning as well so you know um it's just i suppose stick your neck out there and kind of ask and stuff and i suppose the more you do it then the more You've kind of built up. Oh, you've worked with such and such. You've worked with such and such. People are more likely to listen to you or not be as annoyed with your pastoring them. So um, <laughs> you know. So yeah. So look, I, you know, it's 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 good like that. And would you, so would you consider those tracks co-writes? I mean, when yeah. you say oh, sixteen yeah. bars, I mean, do, do you do you say to Jafaris, here are the words I want you to? To, to, to rap no or, no or no no just, not at all not at all when, when you say to Loa you say look this is a rough thing what do you think here and and is there a bit of a back and forth about where the song might go or where the track might go yes of course I mean I suppose to, to, first to say I, I, I really don't or I try and not influence their the lyric writing or the kind of sentiment um sometimes a couple of words depending on what it is but i really you know if i'm working with an artist who sings and writes lyrics i i want to let them do that you know what i mean because i don't Mm. do either of those things you know i mean i at the same time i'm i'm not shy about uh, you know suggesting edits and stuff but you know um i'm doing this a while and the people that i'm working with are doing this a while and you know a back and forth is is, is 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 always there and always and is great, you know, and is really welcomed. I think I'm certainly on my side, and I hope on their side too, you know. So, I mean, you know, with with, with May Kay and I, we, you know, there was well, they, actually, you know, that's an interesting story. The the the, the one difference is, um, the, the second track on the record called Always the Sound. Um, my mum died of cancer in 2018, and she just kind of as we were about to do the show. Um, well, it was just after the show, kind of the first show happened, and as we're about to do the second one, and before she died, um, she wrote this poem called "Always the Sound," and it was because she wasn't able to make my wedding, and that was read out at my wedding. Sorry to be quite morbid, but this, this is all this. No, no. So, so basically, that poem I took. McKay um, was here recording something else with me one night, and I took twenty words from that poem that kind of made something to me, wrote them on a piece of paper. I kind of turned around here and just handed them to her and I was like, listen, I've got this track, um, you know, and I want you to just, I'm going to play it to you. She'd never heard it before. And I said, just here's 20 words or whatever amount of words it was. See what it stirs up inside you and sing. And I'll just loop it. And we, I think we played it three times. And I just said, just sing me words. Do you know what I mean? And whatever, just go. For it. And like Mary, Mary or May Kay would be, um, you know, she's, I don't think it's in person. She's experienced grief, uh, you know, I think we'll live with that in her life as well. And so she understood it, you know what I mean? And we'd spoken about yeah. it and, you know, so it felt apt that she would be cool with that, you know what I mean? To, uh, to kind of broach something like that. So, um, so yeah, so, so she sung just a few takes of that and I kind of, kind of going back actually to that kind of cut and paste aesthetic, kind of just chopped up the words and reordered them sort of just as it felt natural to do, you know? 
So that's yeah. would be the exception to the rule, if you know, not to the rule, but the exception to the process um, whereby I wasn't kind of, I did provide some sort of lyrical inspiration in a way. Well, maybe my mum provided it, you know, but, uh, yeah. you know, but other than that, I let the people write, you know. Yeah, I mean that. Okay, so uh, I wasn't fishing for details about your mom, and I that's, didn't know about that's that. Fine. And, no, no, and, no. And, I brought and, it up. It's fine. It's okay. No, it's okay. my my, my condolences there. Thank I know. You. I know it's a few years back, but I'm sure that yeah, it never you. it never gets easier. But no. that there's a strange alchemy in that, in yeah. that, in the way that this poem that she wrote for your wedding mm-hmm. could suddenly be an al- be a track on an album or a version of it comes in as a track on an album. Exactly. a few years later again that's yeah. uh, it's funny yeah she would have loved she would have loved that you know she would have loved yeah. that and it's funny yeah they're like uh, my mum's name was mary and my case name was mary and there's, there's a load of there's a load of little bits like that as well you know so yeah. she would have loved that you know um because she never got to see that show so and she was really big supporter of kind of me writing for screen and you know always me just doing interesting shit in general really you know she was always always about it you know and came to loads of shows and has probably been to more festivals than most of my mates, you know what I mean? And if you <laughs> if you knew her, you'd find them funny. But uh, she's, um, you know, yeah. So look, it's cool. It's it's not meant to be, it's meant to be a, a kind of an homage more than anything else. You know what I mean? It's not meant to have kind of morbid overtones or whatever. And, you know, that was, um, you know, I just thought it was a, a, an, inter- an interesting experiment, which which turned out to have worked. So it's, it's also the name of my record label, which is cool. So, you know, so, um, ah. yeah. Yeah, so I, I think, uh, yeah, it's nice. You know, it feels it feels like the right thing to do. Do you find you get good results from collaborators when you maybe take them out of their comfort zone ever so slightly? Yeah. And I'll tell Jack, you where I'm coming from with this. Jack O'Rourke. He's a Jack. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I tell you why. I, why I, did, did he I, talk to you? Did he I, talk did to you? I did an interview with Jack a couple of years ago when, yeah. when he came out with, oh God, one of his albums, which I... I I can't remember off the top of my head now, which is shame on me. But I remember I was talking to him. I was talking about the track New Day. Now, this would have been... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this would have come out before, obviously, Equivalent Exchange but as part of the process. Uh, and I said it to him, I said, Jack, that's an absolute banger of a tune. You know, and he said, feckin' Cormac had me singing up in the falsetto. He said, I don't know... Because Jack is a kind of a rich baritone voice. He is. You know, he uh, and, um, and he's, he's off up here. For, yeah, yeah. On on new day, except on the version on the album, there's I it switches to his normal register then mm, as well. Mm, mm, so mm, mm, yeah, how 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 did you feel about pushing him that way? <laughs> I mean, I felt fine about it. He was um, I I'd only met Jack. I mean, I met him. Sorry, I I, I tell a lie. I met him in Cork. Um, my manager works with him too, and he introduced us both uh, at a gig before we did a gig in Cypress Avenue. One night, I just met him and just chatting or whatever. And he'd worked at an orchestra, and I was just about to start. And you know, we we're chatting about that. And we said, "Oh, look, let's try something at some point." So he he came up to Dublin, and I brought him to the studio, and he was like, "I played in the tune, and he'd written this lovely kind of lyric." And I was like, "Deadly, can you try it an octave up?" And he's like, "What?" And I was like, "You know, <laughs> like an octave up, like which is what twelve notes up, which is really high for him." And that was the first take, and that was it. And wow. uh, yeah, yeah, that was it. And like he's so so to answer you, so yeah, it 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 worked rather well, you know. Um, I mean, I, I don't make it, it. It's not a kind of a policy to push people in in other directions. I suppose you let the track dictate it. But uh, I think I was listening to people some falsetto thing or something at the time or whatever. I don't know. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but he was he was cool, Jack, Jack and Trienton, and he, he's the, he's the nicest guy in the world. So he's uh, yeah, he's coming he's coming up now tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to seeing. Brilliant, yeah. Well, it works. It absolutely works. Um, 
I'd like to ask you briefly about the kind of the visual aspect of the music, which I know sounds mm-hmm. like a complete oxymoron, right? But the sure. artwork, the artwork for Equivalent Exchange, so uh, mm. it's it's quite striking, the, 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 the album artwork and also the artwork that goes along with the singles. Now, I believe you've worked with an artist called Mazer, who I don't know, I could be pronouncing it incorrectly. Oh, um, no, you're not. Uh, how 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 did that collaboration come about? How does that work? Um, do you go do you go to Mazer and say, hey, this is what I want, or is here are some pieces? Maybe those would work. Is it something else entirely? Yeah, no. Um, I mean, Mazer is a hugely successful um, artist who runs uh, Atelier Mazer up here and has pieces all over the world. You know, uh, he's a very nice Irish guy who um, started out as a street artist and then kind of. Developed into what what he does now. Um, I think MazerArt.com is definitely worth a look. Um, okay. He, I, I, I knew him just a, a little bit from around town, um, and just we've loads of mutual friends and stuff like that. Um, and we were, I was doing something in Waterford, I think it was, and he was painting a mural in Waterford at the time, and we were doing a show or some of that. And we met for a beer, and I just kind of asked him what, it, like, like to be honest, I didn't think I'd get him, you know, that way. Like he's 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 a few notches above or whatever, but. Um, I was asking him, would he be interested to do something? And he was like, yeah, totally, which is brilliant. You know, um, it was a really big win for me. Um, and so, no, I, I, I didn't direct him at all. I, I, I gave him music, you know, and I just was like, listen, listen to that and just react to it and respond to it. You know what I mean? And he did. So he did a version at the time and we did a, a run of 100 records with just one track, a rehearsal recording. Uh, and we printed that out here in Dublin, Dublin Vinyl just as a kind of a memento for the show almost, you know, um, you can't, they're like hen's teeth at the moment, but, and then he's gone back to that uh, kind of theme and updated it kind of more to, a, or I suppose to present something more in line with where he is now and where the music is now and stuff as well. And I'm just so delighted with it. There's um, a lovely vinyl package coming next year. Well, you can pre-order it now, but it's coming um, early next year as well, where he's done like this, you know, your outer sleeve and another design on the inner sleeve and another design of the vinyl itself. And I'm just so proud of it. So, um, yeah, so, so no, I had really, I wrote the text copy on it and that's it. You know what I mean? I let the, I, I had no notes from it at all. When he came back, I was just like, wow, that's brilliant. Let's have that one. You know, so it was uh, effortless process on my, <laughs> lo- loads of effort on his, uh, loads of effort from him and very little effort from me uh, in terms of that. So that's, I mean, in terms of the, the art for the record, we've also done three videos with um, a motion graphics company, One one Mile, um, run by a friend of ours, Donovan. Um, so he's basically made three short form music videos from scratch for Owens, Carry Weight and Always the Sound. So they'll be trickling out over the next few months ah. as well. Okay, so equivalent exchange, from the way you're describing it, it, re- it really is an exchange of ideas and collaborations and mm. all that. If Cormac of 2022, sorry, sorry, let's go back a bit. How would, say, Cormac of 2008 have reacted to this process of equivalent exchange here in, in, in 20, you know, from 2018 yeah. onwards to where we are today? I mean, I, I, I don't, I, if you told me then what I'm doing now, I don't think I'd be that surprised, do you know? I mean, okay. I think from the moment we started, doing live shows and stuff. I was always trying to bring people in and do mad things and work with barbershop quartets. And, you know, we've always used visuals and we've always, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with, with technology and I'm fascinated with putting on, I'm really interested in putting on good shows and shows that are different. And, you know, um, I don't really have any interest in repeating myself, you know? So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be that surprised, you know. Okay. Maybe I mean I would have done loads of things differently, probably, but n- not not for this record, but just you know, in general, in life. But uh, you know, no. Oh yeah, I um, know. I I don't mean you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no. But what what I mean is, w- w- would you have been as open to the way you've described those collaborations? Yeah, being... I think so. I think okay, so. Great. Yeah, Excellent. I think so. I think so. To be honest, I don't know if it makes for a very interesting answer, but it's probably the truth. No, it does. It does. It absolutely does. It absolutely mm. does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you said the vinyl package is coming next yes. year. Okay, but well, it yeah, is... it, it's 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 in produ- it's in production. Um, it's just. Uh, like anyone that's trying to print vinyl at the moment will tell you there's a massive delay. It's disgusting. I've heard people are waiting a year. Yeah. So, but we've, we've, we've done the absolute best we can. So we're hoping to have them early January so you can pre-order them now everywhere. They're on my website or if you look on my Spotify page or you know, Shopify anywhere, you'll get Brilliant. them. And, right. So finally, besides finishing off the TV score that, that I'm taking you away from, what's, mm-hmm. and, okay, you have the, you have the gig tomorrow night as we're recording yeah. uh, which will be in the past when this comes out what's next for Cormac um, next week I'm doing a short uh, a short doc- documentary soundtrack uh, it's about six or seven minutes of music for uh, it's, it's for something in the States and I, it's kind of all I can say at the moment That's sadly fine. but um, it's, a, it's a really interesting piece uh, based in Afghanistan um, oh. so I'm doing that and then for the love of God, I'm taking a few days off if I can at all. It's been a while. Um, and then I want to, just between now and Christmas, I just want to write some new stuff. I just have a list of, you know, I haven't, I've, I mean, I've been writing loads and loads of music for, for scores and that, but I haven't got um, a chance to sit down and write some kind of Cormac stuff in inverted commas in a while. So, um, you know, I've got some some new toys over here and stuff that I'd like to play with and, you know, all of that. So, uh, you know, I'm going to chill a bit. I'm going to have a, a long Christmas and then, but yeah, I want to try and, you know, obviously we'll still be working the record. Um, there's going to be a lot of touring next year. There's going to be more releases on my label, which, you know, I, I, I'm going to try and finish between now and Christmas, you know, to have them kind of go to go for next year is the plan. Um, okay. there, but, yeah, there will be a tour. Yeah. There will be a tour though. That I'm absolutely. That absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And we're going to do some summer festivals and, you know, we're discussions ongoing about that, uh, like all yeah. the time now, which is great, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I want to do that, but I do, I, I do need to sit down for a while. I'm wrecked. Like, I mean, just the amount we've done in the last four months is is, is brilliant, and I'm very proud of it. But uh, you know, it's beginning to take its toll a little bit, to be honest. So uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, uh, you know, to a beer after the show tomorrow night, and you know, I'll get this thing done next week, and then maybe we'll have a little bit of downtime for a while. But look, all's good. We're we're healthy and happy, really lucky and really fortunate, and. You know, I'm delighted, so pleased that everyone's coming. You know, we've got all the guests coming tomorrow night, which is just amazing. And I'm quite almost emotional thinking about it. You know what I mean? The amount of work that everyone's put into it. So, you know, I, I don't have a complaint in the world. You know what I mean? So nothing a night skip won't fix. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, maybe two nights skip. Uh, <laughs> well, yes, well, yeah, maybe. But look, no, look, you know, uh, yeah. uh, music, musician moaning is not a, not, not of interest to anyone. So, you know, yeah. it's all good. Uh, if... 
anyone wants to find out more, just search for Cormac with a K. Uh, with a K yeah. Starting with a K or DJ Cormac, you'll find it online. Yeah. Uh, all the stuff is up there. Equivalent Exchange is available now. You can pre-order the vinyl uh, and there will hopefully be more gigs coming in the new year. And we'll keep an eye out for those. Cormac, I wish you all the best with the record. Uh, Thank you very much, Rob. It, it's a, it's it, as now that the interview's over, I, I can tell you I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and I Thank will you. certainly be looking forward to uh, purchasing one of those vinyl copies because oh, I like the art. I like the artwork as well. It looks cool. Yeah. In exactly, yeah. it's better. Yeah, I, I have I have one framed here above me. Not one of the old one of the old ones is framed there, and it's in my kitchen too. So yeah, absolutely. Please, 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 dear. We'll send we'll, we'll send we'll send one down to you. No problem. Ah, no bother at all. Listen, Cormac, thanks so much for your time. Wish Th- all thank the best. you for taking the time, Rob. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Irish Beats with Rob O'Connor on Beat 102-103.